Welcome to Pop Yak, where we yak about pop culture. We watch three episodes of something a week and yak about it. We're doing this as a first impressions discussion that can continue in the Discord chat for the show. Link in the show notes. I'll then read and share the best takes on next week's show. Also, another way you can uh, drop hot takes is, is on Twitter, at audio underscore D. So the boys episode two is called Cherry, which is funny because you don't really get to know why it's called that until the very end of the episode. Again, fantastic musical choice. I don't care if you think it's cheesy. I like it a lot. The episode starts where it left off. It's a good mark of a good streaming show that you can watch one episode after another. I personally don't like to do that. I like to have time to digest a show and then have a conversation about the episode before moving on to the next one. It gives me time for my soup of opinions to marinate. It also gives you a good chance to go, hey, what happened last time? And for you to go, that's what happened last time. Because the episode has these guys in a car with Translucent in the trunk. And you remember, they had that fight. Well, that's right, Translucent's dead, but he's gonna do with his corpse. I mean, you could put it anywhere, pretty much, because he's invisible. But it turns out, nah, man. I mentioned last time, I wonder if he's dead or not. Maybe they just shocked him un- unconscious. And they did. He's alive, and that's unfortunate, because now they have to kill him, because he's seen our faces. This kind of sets it up. Maybe Billy the Butcher isn't as nice of a dude as you thought he was. I didn't think he was nice. He's the Punisher, right? But he even, like, blackmails his friends by going, he's seen your face, he's looking to do the right thing, and I'm using air quotes, by doing all the wrong things, because fuck it, the soups don't play by the rules. And also, he has the benefit of nobody knowing who he is, so he can kind of not play by the rules under the cloak of darkness. And then we meet Frenchie, who immediately gives me, like, Leon the Professional vibes. He also is really chill. Um, well, when he's not racked with anxiety because Translucent has seen his face. He calls himself like a jack of all trades. He does a lot of stuff, but he's just a gun runner who's picked up a couple things here and there because he probably had to to survive. And they're like, all right, well, we got this fucking super. He's seen your face. What do we do with him? And they build very quickly a perfect Translucent holding cell. I don't know. It looks like they put him in like a walk-in freezer situation, and then they covered it with foil so that Homelander can't see through it. And then they're like, okay, cool. Let's put him in a cage, which they just have. And it's like, you know what? People like this, I see them maybe holding hostages or having the cage for sexy reasons. That makes sense. He rigs up like an electric fencing situation, which I'm willing to buy. But how long did it take to do this? He probably has done something similar before, but why? I don't know. I just felt that this was too quick for what it was, considering Homelander's like, where's my buddy? Oh, fucking Translucent? He's in a trap house somewhere. He'll be all right. And they're just like, well, okay. So they had a perfect cover of him being the guy that would do that. They got lucky with that because it could have been anybody else. And that would have been some trouble. Like, where's the deep? Oh, well, uh, fuck. He's not the kind of guy that goes on drug benders. Uh, who knows? Time. Also, the guy has a uh, bulletproof skin, which, yeah, he's a hero. That kind of is like par for the course, right? Like, if anything that's unnatural shows up in your world, this is just a blanket lesson for everyone. Do not shoot them with bullets. The bullets will always bounce off. It always made me laugh that after, like, you've seen the 1950s Godzilla movie, and they're shooting Godzilla with tanks and fighter jets, and nothing's happened to Godzilla. Godzilla is fine. And then, in the next series of movies, the military is still doing this shit. It's like, you don't remember last time when you shot Godzilla with fucking artillery that it didn't work? And then it happens in every, like, superhero movie where a bad guy tries to shoot the superhero with guns and it doesn't work for whatever reason. Guns are completely obsolete once you introduce a space alien or a superhero or a Godzilla. You need fire to fight fire, which is why in the new Godzilla movie when they were like, yo, let them fight. That's the only way because fucking military ordinance is not going to work. And it worked. But here, like, they don't have a choice. Like, we don't got powers. This fucker does. We need to kill him. Because he's seen our faces. If he goes back and tells Homelander, we're fucking double dead. 
what do we do? We gotta shoot him. If you shoot him with this bullet and it kills him, what happens? He's dead. What do you do with his body? There's several ways to dispose of a body, but of a super body, that indestructible skin, if I'm him, I'm like, fuck it, I'm, I'm gonna go visible just so you're gonna have a hard time disposing of me before you kill me. The bullet that they do shoot at him ends up piercing the foil. Uh-oh, problem. It let the team at Vought, is that the name of the place? Figure out where he was gonna be. Uh, that he was in a 10 mile radius of this place. Homelander himself didn't seem to really know where he was, which is interesting. Thing Superman needs lead. So I like that they're at least differentiating Superman and Homelander because they're keeping them different enough you don't know exactly what to expect with Homelander because you're like, oh, I know all there is to know about Superman. It's like, well, this is not Superman. This is Homelander. Aluminum foil is enough for him. I think it's funny because if Homelander is a space alien, it's the whole, I want to wear a foil hat so the space alien can't hear my thoughts kind of thing. I think that's funny. A-Train picks up the slack for Translucent and goes to a hospital to see a cancer patient for like his make-a-wish. And the cancer patient's like, what the fuck is this? I wanted to see Translucent. Oh, that's okay. I'm A-Train. I'm here. And he's like, who fucking cares if you're here? Love the fact that this was a Facebook live stream, which makes sense. A company like Vought would absolutely work with Facebook because Facebook is like, look, we need the views. We will have you to a exclusive streaming deal. You only stream with us. We need people to come back to the platform and start streaming on our shitty platform because honestly, Facebook streaming sucks. And yeah, you'd have to have somebody put it in their contract to only do it this way. Because it was a Facebook live stream, you could see people's reactions in the form of, you know, happy faces and stuff in the corner. And as it went on, it changed from hearts and smiley faces to like angry faces to tears. I love that attention to detail. That was really fun. Although the situation itself was not. But he's like, oh man, Translucent is in some top secret business stuff. Which saying Translucent is doing something top secret on a live stream makes whatever Translucent is doing no longer top secret. You've already kind of blown his cover. Then he's like, oh man, maybe we can get translucent to come next week and the doctor shakes his head like no this kid does not have that long and he's like oh well i'll get better and i'll teach you how to be super fast and he's like can you help me can you teach me to run from cancer which is i knew he was gonna say that but when he actually dropped the line just seeing a train's face drop was it was worth it sometimes things you can predict should happen absolutely just because it's the right thing to do don't just swerve people to make um to make us go wow i didn't see that coming Sometimes it needs to be the thing you saw coming. Speaking of things we saw coming, I did not expect to see Madame Vaught, whatever her name is, milking her boobs. Didn't expect to see that today. Um, so she milked her boobs. She's trying anyway. Homelander's like, it's a miracle that somebody your age can have a baby. And she kind of looks at him and goes, oh, thanks for the compliment, Homelander, between like clenched teeth. And he's like, no problem. I aim to please. He also like does little things like, readjust the Homelander toy on her desk. No, no, I should be upfront. I love this guy. Homelander is so fun. He's exactly what people think Superman is, which is great. Superman is not like this. I know a lot of people hate him because he's super strong. He is an alien living on a human planet and his trying to be human, even though he isn't. There's a lot of cool things about Superman and a lot of struggles he can face. You just never get really good Superman writers to tap into that. It's always Here's a giant robot, and then Superman punches the robot, and you're like, oh, well, that's that's it, then. They never really write about Superman's heart, which I think they need to do in the next movie if they want to get him right. This is how you get him wrong on purpose, and I love it. I love Homelander. He's so great. I love him in a bad way. He's handsome. That helps. Madame Vaught goes, hey, bro, I heard you the one who killed that governor or whatever, and he's like, yeah, how do you know this? You know, and he's like, oh, yeah, the Deep went and did an uh, investigation, and he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. And she's like, uh, why? Why'd you do that? And he goes, because I care about this business. And I care about the boys in the back. And he's like, I want to do more. I want to actually make a difference. 
And she's like, yeah, but you're my pet. And pets do what they're told. Pets don't go out and go above and beyond. No, no. You stay in your lane. And she pets him. And he enjoys it. (laughs) It kind of drives that point home a little more. Huey gets a call from his dad, Simon Pegg, who not really because he doesn't sound like Simon Pegg. Who is this really? Gets a call from his dad and he makes all of the rookie mistakes of calling his dad about lying about where he is. All the rookie mistakes. Like I was hanging out with my friend. You know he called your friend to make sure you weren't there, bro. Come on now. He's like, uh, yeah, the guy drove into the shop and left. I'm fine. I'm just doing my own thing, dad. It was so, like, painfully familiar to watch. I really love Huey as, like, an audience surrogate character because they actually nailed it with this one. He doesn't seem like um, other audience surrogate characters that are annoying because they're stupid and go, what does this mean? What's that mean? When the viewer themselves are like, it means this, dumbass, pay attention. You get this moment where you think Huey's gonna, like, develop superpowers because he, going through, like, a inner rage or inner turmoil, he turns around and socks the wall and he just hurts himself. And we've seen, um, we've seen Annie punch things, punch holes right through walls with no problem. Because I guess super strength is just kind of inherent to supers, to supers in this world. But like he tries and he just gets bloody knuckles. I've punched a wall before. He Maybe he does have latent superpowers because he continues to punch the wall. And his fists and knuckles and shit are not broken. If you're a boxer, you can break your own hand punching somebody in the fucking face. So I thought it was interesting that he didn't break his hands. Or, you know, bust up his knuckles to the point of unusable hands uh, later on in the show. He's able to use his hands just fine. And we see that at the very last minute of the episode. So maybe he does have some latent superpowers. But his superpowers is he's slightly more durable than most people. That's it. That would be hilarious if that was it. Homelander has a meeting with the Deep and tells him, Hey buddy, try that shit again and I will fuck you up. Anyway, have a good day buddy. We're pals, right? I care about this business. The Deep is shitting himself for most of this episode. Then Homelander also has a meeting with a random person that works in tracking. The tracking like room is humongous. It looks like they're surve- they have a surveillance on everyone in the city. Is there crime? Take care of the crime. So he's like, hey, uh, random woman, uh, I'm not gonna remember your name. Can you find out where the uh, translucent is? Great, thanks. And he blasts off to go and save Translucent. They've really nailed the superhero blast off. Over the years of having to kind of do that special effect over and over, they fucking nailed it. Starlight was told, hey, we need you to do a patrol with the Deep. And she's like, Jesus fucking Christ. And she tries to give them every excuse in the book. And they're like, no, listen, you're the only one we got. You're on the docket with the Deep. And you have to go and do X, Y, and Z. And even if she did tell them, they just be like, yeah, so what? Keep working with him. She goes with him and pretty much tells him, you're just a fucking fish guy. People laugh at you. This reminds me of one of the recent runs of Aquaman that started over where th- somebody gives Aquaman essentially that same spiel that you're just a fish guy. And you just talk to fish and you're lame. And Aquaman kind of loses it on this guy. So it's funny to see a fake Aquaman get that same spiel and kind of break down. <laughs> DC is constantly trying to hammer home, like, no, Aquaman is super cool, and he's a badass. What can he really do with the Justice League unless it's a water-adjacent crime, right? So he's like, I want to do something else. And it's like, you're the fish dude. What do you want? Yeah, Starlight puts him in his fucking place. They wrap up the crime, and it becomes a photo op. And you know, since they have everything under surveillance, they know when the time is to jump in with cameras and shit and for people to do their poses. I love that they came up with Starlight's catchphrase for her. They're like, look into this camera and say it's lit. I bet they figured that out with polls and focus groups. Billy Butcher goes to a CIA friend under the cloak of darkness. 
and says, hey, friend, uh, can I get my hands on the um, Tower of Babel files, please? And she's like, no, you're the reason why those are sealed away. So it seems our friend Billy Butcher has friends in high places, but those friends are like, fuck off. I don't blame them. If I'm Huey and I'm in the situation that he's in, I'm like, I don't ever want to see this dude ever again. There's a really good foreshadowing where Huey and Translucent have a chat and he says that Huey is a water balloon full of meat. He also says like, I'm the hero of this story, which is like, oh yeah, definitely. And then Huey kind of sees this post on the wall that has this kid that's covered in spaghetti and it's like, keep your hands clean. And this is enough to kind of trigger his PTSD um, and he's having severe issues with it. But over the episode, he keeps staring at it and keeps staring at it till he like desensitizes himself to it. At the end, he finally bursts translucent like a balloon. Being covered in gore again doesn't even bother him. Vought wants to get supers in the military and they're like, hey, no, the supers don't belong to the US military. They belong to you. They're not loyal to us. It seems like Madame Vought or whatever her name is, is trying to kind of underhandedly take over the world a little bit. I mean, she does have senators in her pockets, but why do that when you have a pet god? There's a really awesome scene. It's a really short scene, but it's really awesome. There's a lot of there's a lot of information that gets across here. We see Homelander staring at a big headshot of himself, and he sees this. And at first, you think, oh, he's just this crazy obsessed with himself or obsessed with his image superhero, kind of like when he readjusted the action figure on Madame Vought's desk. And then he goes, hey, is that your um, secret identity? My favorite thing about her secret identity is that she doesn't wear a fucking mask. She is obviously her. So the fact that he sees her just kind of sands her dress and her hair in a ponytail, they're like, oh man, that's your secret identity, huh? Well, he knew who she was when she stepped off the elevator. It's obviously not that great. Then again, he does have, you know, uh, x-ray vision. But at the same time, like, he asked her if it was a secret identity, like, he didn't know. He mentions that he gave up on his, which is very telling considering that Superman, his secret identity isn't Clark Kent. Clark Kent is Superman, whereas with Batman, it's the opposite. Batman is who he is. Bruce Wayne is the secret identity. So finding out that this Clark Kent gave up being Clark Kent to just be a superhero is terrifying. That's some, you know, Chancellor Superman type shit. There's nothing anchoring him to Earth. There's nothing having him try to understand or relate to human beings. He sees himself as above them. Also, he's using his powers uh, to just spy on Madame Vought while she's on the telephone. That's not weird at all. Annie saves a girl from being assaulted in an alley. It all gets caught on camera. The handler of the supers kind of walks up to Annie like, what the fuck? You were in your secret identity and you used your powers? What the fuck? They mention that this is her secret identity when it's just her with a ponytail. And that's it. And nobody knows who she is. It's kind of like, man, Clark Kent's glasses are a really stupid disguise. I always thought that, but only because in certain versions of Superman, Clark Kent and Lois were married. He doesn't sleep in his glasses. He takes his glasses off to go to sleep. So you're not, you're telling me she hasn't woken up before him before, seen him without his glasses and went, oh shit. Otherwise, yeah, next time you get the chance to see one of your friends with glasses that usually wears glasses, tell them to take their glasses off. They look like totally different people. It's a way better secret identity than fucking a ponytail, bro. (laughs) I think maybe she wears a wig, but I don't know. That's not enough for me. Like it's enough for Batwoman who wears a long red wig when underneath she has a, you know, buzz cut. So the fact that it was like, you got caught with your secret identity on film beating up some guys. They edited the girl right out of this video. And the guy said that they weren't doing anything wrong. So you just like an asshole assaulting people in an alley. It's all about image. 
I mean, just ask Spider-Man. There's a lot of stories about Spider-Man and his villain, Chameleon, where he fucks around with his body and fucks up his image. There's actually a storyline with, Sp with Spider-Man where Doc Ock takes over his body and does all this stuff that kind of changes Peter Parker's. And then once Peter Parker gets his body back, he's like, what the fuck is all this? So yeah, definitely check out Superior Spider-Man or any story with the chameleon to see how important image is for a superhero. Or the um, the Secret Invasion, which apparently is going to get a television show, which I'm like, Secret Invasion is just a show? Like, I think it needs a film. The Secret Invasion is a lot. There's a lot to it. So I think that because there's a lot to it, you're going to need to make it a long form show. Then they figure out how to kill Translucent. And it's like, hey, we put a bomb in your butt. We just blow your ass up. Because now Translucent is panicking. He's like, look, I'll tell you what you need to know about A-Train. He was with this chick, Popclaw. And the name Popclaw made me go Wolverine. Because popping his claws is what he calls it when his claws come out. So I thought that was funny. And apparently she has claws in her wrist. Kind of like the Predator. Popclaw is his friend? His girlfriend? Who knows? But he was hanging out with her. He spills the fucking beans about A-Train that night. Because he figures I was being interrogated about that. That's what this is about, right? No, it's about you. The fact that you saw our faces, really. That's honestly... All it's about, you know, later on, he uses his pee to get loose to short circuit the cage. He gets out while these guys are trying to distract Homelander, who's found them. He's trying to reason with Huey. Huey loses his shit and blows him up, gets covered in gore, and Cherry Bomb starts playing. Yeah, they mention, like, I think Aquaman guy, uh, The Deep mentions that his dive was Cherry, but nobody says that. And it was just like a red herring for the title of the episode. Great. Also, fuck you, Translucent. I'm glad you've been exploded. Like I said before, I love the musical selection. I think the only time the music is a real problem is when it was like in Suicide Squad, where it was all over the fucking place. And it was like, why are you playing this song here? But yeah, that was the boys episode two. So Yuri on Ice episode two. In this one, I learn a little bit more. And I realized, hey, last episode, I was kind of an idiot. I mentioned that the, this is an airport? What the fuck? It's a train station. Duh, it's a train that runs through there. Living in a small town like I am currently, fucking where? That would be nice if we had a train that kind of went through town and we meet Victor's crabby ass coach. And I'm like, man, Victor doesn't need this guy. Especially since we see later on that coach isn't really good for anything. A lot of times when you see like these lame old coaches that couldn't get the job done in their youth and they're trying to beat into you the rules that they used to follow as as youth doing the sport and it's like, well, you fucked up and failed. Why am I listening to what you have to say? It's kind of where I'm at with it. But seeing somebody like Victor actually coach somebody, it's interesting to see his thought processes and how he gets good and how he's using that to pass it on to the next generation of students. Victor is indeed staying there until Yuri can get better. One thing Victor really likes to harp on is Yuri's weight. Sometimes he gets, he looks dumpier for a comedic effect and probably to kind of give you what everybody kind of sees him look like. But when we actually see him, he's not really that bad. However, figure skaters do need to be lightweight to be able to do the crazy stuff that they do and land on skates and be alright. Uh, we see later on in the show, Russian Yuri do like a quadruple spin in the air. I don't, I don't know the technical names. And he lands really hard. Imagine doing that with a bunch of weight. That would destroy your ankles, what I'm just assuming. So I understand why he wants Yuri to lose the weight and kind of be able to, to be able to go out there and hit the stuff that he needs to hit. But man, is he a bit of a jerk about it. Yuri, in one week, he was able to drop enough weight for Victor to let him on the ice again. So Victor's being really weird and like, it looks like he's coming on to Yuri and Yuri's freaking out about this. I mean, it's his celebrity crush. Wouldn't you do the same shit if, you know, your celebrity crush is caressing your face and he he's like titty out in your upstairs room? <laughs> 
I want to get to know you. Tell me everything. And he's trying to be, I think this is Victor's way of being chummy. Hey, you know, let's be bros and talk about chicks. But he's not saying it that way. He's saying it in a way that definitely confuses poor Yuri. And I'm also wondering, what language does Victor speak? Victor probably speaks Japanese. I'm assuming he does. Because Victor could be saying something in... Japanese but saying it in an infliction that kind of makes Yuri freak out but the reason Victor is saying this is because he wants to know what kind of person he is and so he can better coach him Yuri is freaking out because oh my god my celebrity crush is sitting in, sitting in my room and telling me stuff um, that he's gonna coach me of all people this is incredible this is like a once in a lifetime thing this is crazy also Victor is really impressed by the ninja house. We get to see a lot of the training that Yuri goes through. It's a lot of cardio. Well, Yuri's running behind Victor's bike. It's punch out and that's cute. Victor messed up and posted a picture of himself in front of the castle, which kind of like tagged him as being in this place. And of course, people want to know what the hell's going on with him. They talked to the old crotchety coach and he wasn't really much help. So they're like, fuck it, let's go straight there. Let's go to Japan, the press anyway. Let's go to Japan and go to this little town and find out what the hell's going on with Victor. So now the inn is full of people because they're like press that are staying here to, to document what the hell Victor's up to. And I swear, it feels like ice skating in this world is way more important than it is in our world. That's Maybe that's me being an outsider looking into this sport. A lot of times I'll see crazy Red Bull sports that was like the backing up cars championship. And there's a ton of people in the crowd. So maybe it's just me and I don't understand the scope of the ice skating world. Like in the Olympics, those crowds are packed to see the ice skaters. And also the, the young girls that put Yuri on the internet were talking about, oh man, skater otaku. So I mean, I guess it's a thing. Russian Yuri ends up going to Japan as well to find Victor. He's like, look, I can't take cool pictures even though I want to take pictures and immediately put them on Instagram. I can't because I don't want Victor to know I'm here. But he accidentally takes a picture of himself buying a really dope ass shirt. The best quality of this kid that I enjoy is the fact that he has great fashion sense. We see him with his leopard print jacket and I'm like, yes, please. I will have 10 of those. But then he buys a badass tiger shirt and has to fucking put that shit on Instagram. Yeah, he goes and finds out what's going on. The press is right there. They're like, excuse me, you can't get in here. It's closed. And then he's like, do you know who I am? Well, he doesn't directly say that, but the press says it. They're like, oh shit, that's the other Yuri. Japanese Yuri shows up and he kicks him and kind of threatens him and yells at him. I love how Japanese Yuri is not phased by this. He's just like, fuck this. If I just ignore this prick, he'll knock it off. And essentially, that's kind of what happened. He's like, look, whatever problem you have with Victor, that's on you. And I love to see that different reaction from a person getting bullied by the delinquent. It kind of shocks the delinquent into behaving himself too. Like, fuck, I'm not going to get anything that way. So might as well behave and kind of just go in here and talk to Victor myself. So he, he bursts in there like, Victor, what the fuck? And he's like, oh yeah, you know what? Sorry, I broke our promise. I'm, I'm really forgetful. Um, I just go wherever my, my fancy takes me. But you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to train you both together. And I'm like, oh shit. And I'm wondering, is this going to be like a doubles thing? Like a two dudes do one program? And he's like, no. I'm going to break it down. It's going to be a competition. You get to play both versions of this song I was going to skate to. I couldn't figure out what I was going to do. But hell, I'm not going to do it this year. You guys can do it. And Victor sends up a really good competition. And when they pick the songs they want, Victor switches it on them. So now I think I get the title of Yuri on Ice. Like, it's not just the titular Yuri we know. It's not just the Japanese Yuri. It's Yuri's plural on ice. Because I think that's the name of the competition that they're going to have. So it, this is only 12 episodes. I'm assuming that it's just their training up until that event. And maybe season two is going to be the finals or the big leagues or whatever. I don't know. That's just uh, a prediction for somebody who doesn't really know much about this show. I love that he's like, fuck, let's get them out of their comfort zones and make the rough tumble boy dance to a song about love. 
and make the very shy boy dance to the song about sex. Let's do it. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes and I'm looking forward to more of this smooth ass skating animation. Sometimes it seems a little clunky, like they just took some animation cells and put them over a skating rink and didn't really care where they were going or how it looked because like they're going coming closer and moving back and the camera's kind of not really doing a good job the rink itself because it doesn't move and we don't move around the rink it just looks weird it, it looks really rotoscoped and strange i don't know how else to say it but sometimes when they show you the skating animation it looks dope as fuck for sure the art style is, is also really fun and slick they do a good job drawing dumpy characters a lot of people are, just look like hobbits like yuri's family definitely looks like hobbits except for his older sister who has a crush on russian yuri and i think that's cute I mean, I would talk about another episode of Yuri on Ice. The Boys is so long that up until I get into shows that are just a half an hour, we're going to do two episodes of something. We're trying to keep these at a reasonable length. I know a lot of people don't like diving into super long podcasts or the amount of time on one makes people nervous. Like, oh, I don't want to dedicate that much time to something. So let's experiment with it. So far, it'll be two things until we get, this, get into the swing of things a little bit better. Thanks for hanging out.